was like trying to find the school, and I found the school. I knew where the school was. But I literally pulled on the street, and I'm like, man, I can't even see the school. I know it's there. And it's this, this idea of this, this fog, this encompassing. If you were in the cloud on an airplane, you just like start swirling and swinging at the clouds, and it's just like going all around you. And it's, it's Paul, or not the Paul, but the writer is painting this picture that we are encompassed. We are surrounded. Like we, we have to take note of this. I don't know if you've ever been surrounded or encompassed by something. This could be terrifying and this can be great. I know for me in 1997, I was in Yellowstone National Park hiking, night hiking, which I don't recommend. And me and my friend Quester were surrounded by wolves. There was no denying this. There was witnesses. We were surrounded by wolves. Terrifying. Three years ago, I found myself with a mistaken identity being pulled over by cops with guns, pulled out on me, surrounded, put your hands up kind of moment. There was no mistaking. It was a terrifying moment that I was surrounded. But there's also encouraging moments in my life. Maybe you've been at a birthday party or some sort of party at your house, and you're surrounded by friends and, and loved ones. Maybe you've been a part of a sporting event, and everybody's, like, cheering you on, and they're like, go, whoever you are, go. They're clapping you. They're like, yes, you can do this. Maybe you've been in a hospital room sick or your kid's been sick and you've been surrounded by your brothers and sisters laying hands on you in a sweet moment surrounded by Jesus and his followers we've been encompassed and I think a lot of times we we're going to read this in, in, in chapter 11 here this is this is what will define faith as now faith is the assurance of things this is verse one hoped for and the convictions of the things not seen and I think sometimes we forget, I forget, maybe you don't, but I forget about the promises of God that are surrounding me. The writer is going to point to specific people in specific situations here that we're to recall and to remember. And they were remembering, remembering the promises of God in these situations, and they were looking forward to God. They believed in what God said he was going to do. But in my own mind, in my own world, I, I often get so easily distracted and I find myself encompassed by fears and what ifs and what if my kids don't get better and they've been sick this week or what if I don't have enough money or what if war breaks out or what if we, we find ourselves encompassed by fear. And we begin to focus on those things. So I just wanted you to see a picture here like we are already looking at things unseen. And it's our choice to remember the promises of God or face the realities of our life in these situations. And the writer has us to remember these things. And in chapter 11, we see several different things here. We see Abel first, who offered a righteous sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. We see Enoch shortly afterwards who walked with God. It's, it's, it's a story that he was with God and he walked with God and then he was no more. He, he was accepted and pleased God is what the scriptures say. Noah, in reverent fear, built an ark, a giant boat, because he feared the Lord. And I don't want to take away from the part that how foolish that looked. In a life of faith, you are often going to look foolish. Whether you are pursuing some dream or some ambition or the Lord calls you to, to go to this place or that place, to leave your comfort to leave the things you know, to leave your degree that you worked so hard for. Or maybe you've 
built a business and later in life God calls you to go back to school and, and pursue a degree. But Noah looked foolish building this ark, but in reverence fear, he built it. Abraham left his home country and followed God to places he did not know. You and I are often called to, to just obey God. He's going to show us when we get there. He's going he's to give us the bigger picture if we're, if we're fortunate. But we just continue to walk and trust in the Lord. Sarah conceived in old age and considered that God was faithful to his promise. Don't miss that. She considered that he was faithful. And there's like seeds of doubt in my life as, as I've journeyed with God. There's been times where I, I've struggled in this belief. Is God who he says he is? Is he going to do these promises? But Sarah believed that God was faithful to his own word. We have to rest that he is a faithful God even when we have faithlessness. This journey of faith began for me at the age of 24 in trusting God. And throughout my time of, of seeking God, different things have happened in my life. And, and I, I think I just want to kind of paint an analogy this morning. In Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, the Gospels of Matthew, Jesus, he's talking about us worrying and having anxiousness about tomorrow. And he talks about the birds of the air and how he feeds them and he clothes them. And I just want to, like, use this little analogy this morning to, to think about the birds. And so I have a picture of this Arctic tern, T-E-R-N. I might say that country, tern, because I'm from the south. This is an Arctic tern. This bird flies 24,000 miles a year. That's like the circumference of the earth. It lives to be 25 years old, typically. And so it can fly to the moon and back, and then back to the moon in its lifetime. It's pretty amazing. And its whole, like, wiring, the way God created this bird, it likes, it's a sun seeker. Like, it lives in the Arctic when it's sunny, and then it heads south. It follows the sun. It doesn't like darkness. And so I just kind of want to use this picture. Not only is he following the sun, so we could use that analogy in our lives. Like, we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to, to follow him. But I, what if the Arctic turn, turn, the turn, turn, what if the Arctic turn, or what if any bird of creation, anything in the wild, chose to, to come out of the wild, to, chose to leave this amazing air and amazing space to go live in a cage. And in that cage, there is comfort. There's somebody who's going to feed it. There's no prey trying to kill it. In fact, if you're a nice owner, you might put a blanket over it at night and it knows when to go to sleep. It's going to have a little water. It might hang out with some other friends. Maybe you open the cage, another friendly bird comes in and, and hangs out. I will put an asterisk here. We had a bird and we killed it. So unless you live in my house, it's probably safe. It just lasted like two weeks. Um, so if I was writing a book, there would be an asterisk there. But my point is being like, as Christians, God has redeemed us. He's, he's called us to himself. He's called us to walk a life of obedience. He's called us to, to step out in faith. And, and into this unknown, as we sing these songs about the ocean, I, I just want to walk out there. God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really freaked out. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to move because you said so. And that's contagious. 
That's contagious, not only to the believers, as, as we see in chapter 10, he's, he's like, even more so as you see the day approaching that the, the end and you're persecuted, like, come together in faith. Like, there's an encouraging in chapter 10 and 11 and 12, and he's like, encourage one another. You're being persecuted. This world is, is coming down at you. We need to come together in faith and encourage one another and cheer one another on. And, and, and take a risk, if you want to use that word, to follow Jesus. You and I aren't promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next day. Or the next. And we're not promised not to have pain and suffering and cancer and death in our family and divorce and, and just uh, on and on and war and just pain. But we, as, as believers, often want to just go live in a cage of comfort. And that's not really attractive to the world. That's, that's kind of normal. Like that, that we would live in comfort, that we would live amongst one another and not live a wild life for Jesus, the redeemer of us. My friends that I've walked with through ministry and different journeys, they have done all kinds of crazy things. And I say that I like to hang out with crazy people because it makes me feel a little more sane. But it, is, and it inspires me in some ways. That, that their faith is so, wow, like I can't believe you're doing that. Like that's, that's man, I want that. Like sometimes we, we read books about missionaries and we read stories in the Bible and we're like, man, that's so amazing. I want that. But that is here for you and I when we fo- follow Jesus in obedience. This world is so deceitful. It's so tricky. So wanting us to slow down and enjoy the pleasures of this earth. In fact, that's how it describes Moses in, in Hebrews 11. It says that, that he saw that, the, that Jesus was greater than the pleasures of this earth, of that nation of Egypt. He's willing to, to forsake it. Are you and I like really willing to forsake whatever we think is our little kingdom? For the pursuit of the gospel, the pursuit of spreading the good news. Are we willing to risk that in our lives? James 2, 7 says, faith without works is dead. And in Hebrews 11, we are told that if we don't have faith, we cannot please God. And if you're a believer in here today, that should do something here. Even preparing this message, and I've read the scripture over and over, and, and in fact, this scripture like came to life to me as, as we moved here two years ago to aim to plant a church, to, to do ministry, to share the good news, to, to reach Corvallis and make Jesus' name famous, that this, I, over and over from the lips of my mouth and my heart, oh Lord, in the next part of that verse, it's like, Lord, lay aside every weight, lay aside every weight, lay aside every weight and sin. You see, coming here like, Oh, that was one moment getting here. But then for me, I, I really wanted to quit. I wanted to live a normal life, and by normal, I mean a disobedience. Forsaking the call that Jesus has placed in my life to share the glorious news of him. By every excuse possible. By moving here with the intentionality to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus, I began to feel the weight and the sin of my life. We're encompassed by these witnesses. God is reminding us through the scriptures, through his holy word, that that these people of old 
are dead, but they still speak, testifying of the goodness of God, pointing towards Jesus, awaiting a heavenly home not prepared by men. In fact, it says that they could have turned back, but they didn't. They chose a better place. And in your life, some of you may be young, some of you may have only walked with Jesus for a little while, but you may come to a place 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and you may be challenged to the core of like, man, do I believe this? Am I willing to, to shift directions in my life? And he's worth it. I think back on my life. I think about these guys in this chapter 11. Like they had a choice. You have a choice. You can choose. Abraham could have chose to be disobedient. Wouldn't have ruined God's plan. God would have done something different, somebody else. For me, years ago, I could have chosen my birdcage. And I had a paycheck. I had all these things. They were wonderful. They weren't inherently evil. They weren't bad at all. But Jesus has called me to do something else. And I delivered packages. And this is nothing like, man, you can be gloriously sharing the good news of Jesus. But in my story, I was delivering packages for FedEx. And I, every time I see a FedEx truck now, I like, it's not demeaning the job. It's a great job. But I think, man, I could still be in that truck. From 2009 until 2019, for a decade, I could have been delivering packages, loving the Lord, doing things. But God had a greater plan for me to, to get out of that cage, to, to find myself on my knees seeking the Lord. By me taking that first step of faith, by you in this room today, that some of you got degrees, some of you are going to continue to pursue degrees, but God may have a different plan for you, and I just want you to be open to it. I look back on my life, and it seems like some, this is just in the last decade, but it seems like some mysterious other guy. It's like, man, I was able to see secret churches in other countries. I was inspired by other believers who, who have forsaken their degrees to go to cities of 500,000 people to be the only believers to share the gospel. Day in and day out, day in and day out, they're crying out to God for salvation. They're crying out to God to, to move in such a way that they, they have this faith that, that, Lord, just move to save these people. God, we know that you love these people. And we look at that sometimes as believers and we're like, oh, that's a pity. No, they've actually found life. We are to be pitied that are disobedient to the Lord. And when we disobey, we become really just bitter Christians. God's plan is to see people to come to him, to see your heart chase after him and not the things of this world. So you get to the second part of verse 1. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us and let us run this race of endurance that is set before us. So if you're a believer in here today, you would obviously be like, well, yeah, we don't need to cling to sin. And that's true. But I love that the writer actually put weight. These are things that are permissible in our lives. These are things that are just in life. Sickness and suffering and, and the pursuit of degrees, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of the things of this earth. And I just think in my life how much I cling to the things of the world that hinder me from running this race. 
And I love this analogy of running a race. I've never ran a race. Can you raise your hand if you actually like ran a race where you like put a number on you? I'm sure there's lots of you. Lots of you people in the Northwest are physical. Love it. You run up mountains backwards. In the South, we don't do that. Um, and I was just thinking about this. Like, I, I, the beauty of the scriptures, and this was written a long time ago, and, and this is still so profound to our day that, that they're running this race, this Christian race, this, this life, this pursuit of Jesus. And, and, and the writer's like, don't, don't forget all the people cheering you on around you. Don't forget all the saints of God, that, that all these people that have lived before you, that, that, that your friends that are still alive today. It's not even just the dead people, but the witnesses of God, they're like cheering you on. They're like, man, you can do this. You can do this. I know your legs hurt. I know you're about to pass out. You're out of breath, but you can do this. Don't you remember what God did, did in so-and-so's life? Don't you remember what he did in your life? Don't you remember all these things? And we're to cheer them on. We're like, go, go, go towards Jesus. Don't give up. And you're running this race, and there's a little water table that I see in TV. I've never done it. And it's like, you're running towards the water, and you're like, all of a sudden you notice like some kerosene and some barbells. And as a believer, you're like drinking the kerosene and putting the barbells in your pocket. And it's dumb, right? I'll admit it's dumb. But that's what I do. I'm trying to run this race. And I'm like, oh, I'll just dance over here with this little thing. I'll have a little this, a little that. Oh, that's permissible. Man, why is this race so hard today? Oh, yeah, I put these big dumbbells in my pocket. I'm like trying to run. And I think even in that water table, there's a lounge chair with a little treasure chest of all your goodies, the things that you like, not the things I like. It has that for me over here, but the things that you like, the temptations. You see, we have an enemy that, that seeks to destroy us, that seeks to destroy the testimony of us, that, that seeks to destroy our very own lives, going to and fro, looking to destroy the Christian. And in fact, that, that, that Screwtape's Letters, great book by C.S. Lewis, and you know, it almost describes like just, if you can just get these Christians just to hang out together, not share their faith and not really be faithful to God and not really even like pursue the things of the kingdom, like that's fine. And that's the weight of the world, the sin of our flesh. That we would actually be running this race and, and consume these things that are not good for us. And then like a year later, we're like, man, what happened? What happened to me? I wrote in my notes, habitual hinderness. Things that are in my life that are habits that are maybe even permissible to you and I that are habitually hindering me from, from chasing after Jesus, from reading the scriptures, from, from being with brothers and sisters, from praying for the persecuted church, for praying for the people in this body, for praying for the people in this town. I consume my life with seasons and seasons and seasons of shows and pixels on my phone. A little drink here, a little drink there. And we're not running so well. In fact, you could even forget that you're in the race at all. And sometimes you just straight up drink the poison to forsake the race. It's such like a, a scary picture, really. 
It's an encouraging picture, but it's a real picture of life. It's in 1 Peter 5, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. I'm afraid this world is really intoxicating. And we deceive ourselves. But Christ, he is worth it. He is worth it. I wrote, is it really worth the pain? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth the suffering? Following God to an uncertain place with my entire family? Forsaking my friends, forsaking my community, forsaking my home, my, my farm. We used to call my house the urban farm. My education. Forsaking a degree. Is it really worth denying myself the pleasures of the world and the pursuit of physical happiness? Is it worth denying myself comfort, making enough money to do all the things that I would like to do, to watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it and buy what I want to buy when I want to buy it, live my life as my own, live like my own God all the while believing I'm free, believing I'm free under the delusion that this is life, that these pixels on my screen are my reality. Desiring freedom, I'm actually imprisoned. Death and sin, disobeying God. Is it really worth it? You'll find yourself asking that question. And it's okay to ask that question. You're not super Christian. You're not have to be always full of joy. But I'm here to say today with a resounding, absolutely glorious yes, that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth you giving your heart and mind and faith to him today. Quit trying to do it on your own. Jesus is worth it. He's ran the race for us already. And we're simply called to fix our eyes on him. Colossians 2.15 says, He's disarmed the rulers and authorities and he's put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Jesus has done this already. defeated death victoriously over the grave. He's actually been tempted just as you and I were. And it says in verse 2, as we look to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter, some of your versions say the author, the pioneer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand on the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He endured our, our shame. Like, like we, we can just go through this, but they like drove nails through his hands, like physically beat him, whipped him. He was beat. Speared him in the side, naked, hanging there just naked on a cross in pain. He 
because he foresaw something. He was God. Yes, he was fully flesh, fully man, fully God. But he saw the joy set before him to be seated at the right hand of God. He saw the joy. Can you imagine just, I don't know if you've ever like, you just know the perfect gift to give to somebody. You're like, oh, I got the perfect gift. They're going to be like, you just know their heart. You know, like, this is it. They're going to be so excited to get this gift. This is the greatest gift ever, and like you get to surprise them. And, it, and it's, Jesus knew the joy, this gift of eternal life, the gift of pleasing the Father in heaven by obedience, the, the gift that, that he finished and completed the mission and redemptively bought us back, took our sin, took our place, took our judgment. we could run this race. Not uh, that we could enjoy the pleasures of this world, that, that we could run this race. We are temporarily down here. We're going to spend eternity celebrating and worshiping the King of Kings and this for this momentary affliction, this momentary moment. We are down here often choosing my own life, my own conviction, often choosing the pleasures of this earth over the things of the kingdom. And I guess, like, a lot of you are graduating or going away for the summer. A lot of you are staying here. And I, I, I think if I could just plead one thing to you, if I never spoke again to you, Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. Risking it all. It's all his. We used to sing a song when I first became a believer by a man named Reverend James Cleveland. And it's just like this song that I, I feel no ways tired. The Lord's brought me this far. And he's never going to leave me. I, 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 that song just kind of resonates with me often, like when I'm discouraged and when I'm out. Like the Lord has brought me this far for a reason, for a purpose. He's brought you this far. He's brought you here this morning for a purpose and a reason. And he's not going to forsake you. And we are surrounded by clouds of witnesses and believers. And we have to remember that. And we have to remember to to forgo and lay aside. We physically have to do that. We have to do that through prayer. Lay aside every weight that is hindering you from pursuing Jesus with all your heart, all your mind. Loving your neighbors. Loving the strangers. Loving a city that you've never laid eyes on because the Lord is burying something. He's planting something deep inside of your heart for that people to go and proclaim the gospel. It's glorious news. So I leave you with this, kind of just thinking today. Do you, this morning, my brothers and sisters, have faith? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Then I plead with you this very moment to surrender your heart to him if you don't know him. There's no greater, fabulous moment. 
it probably looks different if you were to survey us all in this room, what that's looked like in our lives of coming to faith. And, and simply for me, it was just like, Lord, I need you. I was just crying out in a field on my knees, like, Lord, I need you. I, I'm broken. This life doesn't work. I, I don't know what else to do. I surrender to you. It was my white flag surrendering moment. And I plead that's you today. And for us, some of us saints of God, are you leaning and leading a life of faith. Ask yourself that this week. Am I really doing things in faith, or am I doing them on my own regards, my own term, my own dictation? Do you even desire, do I desire God's plan over my life? Even if it means it doesn't quite pan out like I thought it would. We don't only surround ourselves with great witnesses of the past, but the modern day of men and women forsaking the ways of the world with great hope, leaving prestigious jobs, comfortable communities to live their lives in vast nations day in and day out, asking God to save the people that they are around. May we run this race as joy-filled Christians by God's grace. May we, may we fix our eyes on Jesus. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. In fact, it means you probably will. It doesn't mean that, that the things are easy, the roads are easy, that the, the pathways and the choices are easy. The cancer is not going to come to our lives. But there's joy in Jesus. There's joy in this life of faith. And when we are, are running this race healthy, we get to be the witnesses and cheerleaders, like I said, to others around us. And it's a little bit of the deception that as we put these stone pockets of weight of this world and our sin in our lives, that it's okay, it's just us. The fact is, if you're a believer and you're doing that, you can't carry your friend, man. You can't run the race drinking the lighter fluid and putting bells in and your friend's sick and hurting and they're struggling in their faith. You can't carry them. There's a ripple effect of our sin. There's a ripple effect of, of us filling ourselves with the weight of this world. And my own convictions this week, as I prepared this, were just really challenging. And the things that I, I kind of took note of in my life, in my journal, that I, I want to change. I can't do without God. I can't do without God's grace. I can't do without fixing my eyes on Jesus. Without getting up in the morning and, and praying, God, please take these desires away from me. Father, Father if I, I'm going to these things for escape, I'm going to these things for a comfort, Lord, I pray that these desires, Lord, that, I, that you would just do that, that your word would refresh me, that it would restore me, that, that, Lord, I would feel like, man, a brand new person that I've escaped into the scriptures versus escaping into to whatever it is that you like to escape to. I pray that you would give me the strength to, to endure the hardships. I pray, God, that I would take my finances and just start pouring it and spending it on you and stop buying myself stupid stuff. I lost my sunglasses this week, and I was, like, mad about it. Kind of like your sermon last week. It's, like, mad about the tree going away. And I was, like, so fixated on these stupid sunglasses. I was, like, ready to get online. I know you guys never do this. Like, I'm going to order them right away. You're, I, like, they're missing. I need sunglasses. And I was so convicted. And I don't share this to be, like, boastful. I share this to be, like, pointing to Jesus. And I was like, man, if I'm about to spend X amount of money on these sunglasses, shame on me. Shame on me. 
Like in this moment of materialism, in this moment of like, oh, my sunglasses. So I took what I would have spent, and I like, I like literally got online in my food cart, and I sent that money to the persecuted church as like my glorious punishment. Like, if, like I was just like, this is great. But it was just switching that in my mind day in and day out. Like we, we talk about we don't have these things or, or we are just so deceived by the world and, and we forget to pursue God because we are weighing ourselves down with the things of this world. Spending our money on things that don't matter. That don't matter. Using our limited life and breath for things that don't matter. I'm guilty. And so my prayer this morning is to inspire you through the scriptures, through the word, that Jesus is worth every bit of every breath of every penny of every resource we have. Man, and if you go bankrupt chasing Jesus, praise the Lord. He's there. He's faithful. If you spend all your energy strength chasing the Lord, he's going to renew you. If you die chasing the Lord, it is gain. But the things of this world, man, ain't nothing. So I just pray that, that you and I this morning would, would run a race this week, this summer, pursuing the things of the kingdom. He has got a kingdom that this chapter 12 ends that cannot be shaken. He's a consuming fire. And I pray that I would be consumed by this glorious God. As Jeremiah prayed in the Old Testament that, that this would be a fire in my bones that can't be quenched. So I just pray over us this morning. Again, it's one of my favorite things, so I'll just keep talking and tell you stories. Instead, I'm going to pray that the maker of the heavens and the earth, the maker of your bones and your body and your blood and your heartbeat, the one who's redeemed you from death to life, who has a plan and a purpose, he's called you to do something, that you would seek after him. And in here today, those that don't know him, try him. Taste and see. He is wonderful. Let's pray. God, Father, I pray that, I thank you that your spirit is so powerful, that, that you are better and bigger than any ramblings of mine. But God, in a room full of this size of people, Lord, that, that if you were to capture our hearts and we were all to, to begin to run the race that, that we read about today, that this world, this city would be changed. But Father, some of us are in this race today, God, and, and we need you to show us those stones and those weights in our pockets, God. And, and God, by your grace, help us to take those out and just chunk them. God, in the sin that is in our lives, that, that is clinging to us, that is holding tightly to us to, to keep us limping along and just not even living a reflective life of you. God, I pray that you would reveal those things in our lives, Lord, and God, tear them out. 
Lord, give us a desire for you. Replace them with your spirit. Replace them with your word. Replace them with, with things of prayer and things of you. Father, thank you for the witnesses that are before us. Thank you for the friends that are here today. God, thank you for your grace that, that we're alive and can even run. God, Father, I pray that salvation would come to those today in this room. Father, that you would capture their hearts and, Lord, that they would tell somebody, man, I want to live for Jesus. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. God, I pray for that this moment, and I pray for those of us that maybe have hardened hearts that question our faith, God, that, that you're big enough to answer these questions and that you're big enough to move in our lives, Lord, but that, that we wouldn't forsake the race, but God, that you would just gently, nudgingly love us and remind us of the cross of Jesus. Lord, that you are victorious for the joy set before you. God, you endured it all for us, for the kingdom for your glory, for your name, and for your honor. We ask this in Jesus' name.